Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. That's right. And it's time for us to shoot the flames, February style. Right, we're bringing in the month of love with a regular show where we discuss your comments and questions and concerns. That's right. We address all the issues. Except for your concerns. Except for your concerns. We don't have time for that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We have a separate file for those. Um, Well, that sounded bitchy, didn't it? (laughs) Shit. Maybe because it's so fucking cold here in Texas. It's also a morning recording. That's right. We're not used to this. We're used to recording during happy hour. <laughs> so, You're drinking tea and not a beer. Something's wrong. I know. What is wrong? Probably because it's 10.50 a.m. Although I have had liquor at 10.50 a.m. before. Ooh. And earlier. See, the thing is, you like you have a cup of coffee, especially when you're on vacation. You know, and you're like, oh, that coffee tastes so good. I think I need a Bloody Mary. I've had a quote-unquote uh, Irish coffee bowl. Of course, I've had mimosas. Yes. Mimosas are a breakfast staple. Yes. Right? For like Wednesday. I always have stuff for mimosas. I know. You're always prepared for mimosas. Even though I never have them. (laughs) Even though I'm here all the time and we're never having mimosas. Why? We're gay. Why aren't we drinking more champagne? Also, as a caveat, I am still sounding a little bit like like Marge Simpson, a.k.a. Chesty LaRue. I don't know. So forgive me. Seasonal allergies will soon become a different seasonal allergy. And that's it. Yeah. Well... We got a review. Oh my God, we did. So this one's from Nicole Kidman in a wig. (laughs) Somehow reviews feel so good here in a place like this. (laughs) That is an amazing handle. So she says, so good. Amazing show. Love these guys. Short and sweet, but accurate. And the best fucking name ever. (laughs) Nicole Kidman in a wig. (laughs) Yeah, patrons or listeners, if that's someone we know, let us know. Please, because I have to thank you in person. Mm. And thanks for the review. They help us out a lot. So if you would like to leave us one that we can read on the next Shooting the Flames, head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and we'll do so in kind. That's right. Well, we got a lot of comments, etc., etc. We do. That we have to get through. So, should we get started? Yes. Okay. Let's start with our Up in Flames episode where we talked about our favorites and maybe not so favorites from 2022. George over on Instagram said, glad to see Bones and All in there. Yeah, that was on your list because I still haven't seen it. Yeah, I'm going to watch it with you, I think. Okay. So, Because I'd like to watch it again. All right. So, George, stay tuned for Chris's thoughts and feelings about Bones and All. Battle Burrito said, quote, I've never felt like I've missed so much good horror films before. I have a lot of catching up to do. I think that was probably on Instagram or something. Because then on Patreon, he said, uh, not the Possessor hate, but yeah, Yule Log was a blast. Why did he like Possessor? He did. He actually oh. liked Possessor a lot. Yeah. Does he want to see Infinity Pool? I don't think he gave it five stars or anything. Okay. But yeah, he might. He might. I hear it's good. I can see him being a Brandon Cronenberg fan, even though I sat. And of course, for those of you who don't know, Battle Burrito is my husband. That's right. So we sat down and watched the latest Cronenberg and did not like it. That's his daddy, though. Yes, I know. Yeah. But the last two Cronenberg movies I've watched, I haven't liked. Even though the vast majority of Cronenberg movies I like, at least from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I mean, he's a good director. The yeah. 70s ones are excellent, too. And and quite different. Like, he's he's got a, quite a, a bit of varied work. Mm-hmm. It's hard cool. to kind of nail down, except for very early Cronenberg and maybe like The Fly. Yeah. You know, there's not that... You know, a lot of people attribute him to a certain style, and I feel like they're not giving enough credit for the amount of varied work that he has. Oh, yeah. His his work in the 70s is kind of all over the place. I mean, there's only, like, there's very definite, like, body horror themes and, like, sex themes in all his movies, but 
Like that's about it. They all look incredibly different. Yeah. McKenna over on Patreon said, did you see bodies, bodies, bodies? Not sure if you've already mentioned it, but I'm still catching up on episodes. Curious what your take on it would be. I know it tended to be a love it or hate it. Personally, it was one of my favorites of the year. Rachel Sano is so good in this and a breakout star for me. Did you ever end up seeing this? I did not. It was one of the ones that I missed from last year. So I did see it and yeah. it ended up being somewhere in the middle of my list. Mm-hmm. Like I think I gave it three and a half or four stars. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, probably three and a half because there was so much bad about it. But there was also so, so much good about it, like the breakout acting, like everyone brought their A game to this. And uh, it was just like about 30 minutes too long. It just it really just kind of, you know, beat that fucking dead horse into chunky salsa. I remember wanting to see it when the trailer came out and then I just it fell by the wayside for other movies. But, you know, if you're going to if we're ever going to do like a top 10 on, you know, like eat the rich type of situation, like there's a lot of movies like the menu a little bit, like where it talks about class, you know, like there's been a lot of movies in the last like five, 10 years about that. Like if we ever do a top 10, like bodies, bodies, bodies would definitely be in there. Well, and we're also planning on doing a top 10 A24 at some point. This is an A24 movie. I don't know if it'd make it to that list, but. Yeah. You know, and also this is like one of those, I feel like it's kind of a seminal movie like with the up and coming generation as well so i think that that was my biggest concern was that i would be way too old to like get it no it's 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 them making fun of themselves a little bit okay you know or at least maybe jet x making fun of them (laughs) so i don't know how fair it is you know maybe our our younger listeners can tell us what they think of bodies 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 yeah Uh, but i feel like it's just tongue-in-cheek enough for them to enjoy well, McKenna, I will watch that and report back, just like Chris will be doing for Bones and All for George. Mm-hmm. So Glazed Donut <laughs> for on Patreon said, I watched the menu and I loved it. Definitely one of my favorites of 2022. The movie gives me the adult Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory vibes with Ray Fiennes being Willy, of course. I was never a Ray Fine fan, but I will say I was delighted by his performance. His performance was fucking excellent in this movie. Well, he's, his, he always brings his A-game, you know? Yeah, um, he's a gifted actor. Yeah, I don't know that. Is anyone really a fan of Ray Fiennes? I mean, he's always so different. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, like, I would never in conversation be like, oh my God, Ray Fiennes. I don't know that anyone's favorite actor is Ray Fiennes. No, I don't think so. But he's always good. And maybe that actually works to his favor because he seems to be able to basically play whatever he wants. Yeah, I think that's good for an actor to do. He's like an under the radar Daniel Day-Lewis. That's exactly what I was going to say. Is that like, you always forget about Rafe, but when he's on screen or in a movie, you're like, oh, I forgot how good he is, you know? And that's that's good for them. And he has somewhat of a rut with playing kind of people on on the bad side. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got, especially in his later career, from Red Dragon to Voldemort, you know. Let's not forget his early career in Schindler's List. Yeah, uh, Schindler's (laughs) List, uh, which is an amazing job that he did oh yeah my god it's Oscar one of the best ones i've ever seen if not um really. yeah and and you know it's it's I, I i find myself pressed to think about where he's kind of more of the hero and even like the english patient he's not you know yeah and that was kind of boring so the constant know. gardener i don't know either way he's great and i recently rewatched the menu for the second time and loved it just as much okay so this movie holds up it is good yeah. and my number one pick from last year nice yeah From our deep dive into The Thing, the 1982 version, Ian over on Facebook said, totally enjoyed The Thing episode. I was on it like a tramp on chips, which is an English saying about being very keen. It's astounding to me. (laughs) But what does keen mean? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's astounding to me that a film of this caliber was determined to be a flop on release. Personally, I've always wanted an end, so to speak. Never really thought about the tragic demise of Childs and McCready, as I felt both characters deserved to be rescued. That being said, for the ending we got, I think, after listening to your spin on it, there wasn't a better way, leaving the audience contemplating what really happened. As for the 2011 remake, I don't mind it if you don't put too much thought into it. Remove the brain and press play. I do question how, as a prequel, they got the idea that the thing couldn't assimilate metal. This would dispel Childs being a thing at the end of the original. I also think the CGI didn't work that great compared to the original, but I can still give time to view it. Thanks again for another great listen. That's a great comment. Uh, although, I don't, um, I guess I don't understand why Ch- that would have prevented Childs. I don't know. He didn't have like metal on him or in him that we know, know of. Maybe you rewatch it. Maybe he had a tooth or something. Maybe. I don't know. Some sort of metal bone? I, I just, well, I've I seen that movie so many times, and yet I, I don't know what is being referenced here. Mm. I don't know. Either way, it wasn't as good of a test scene. No. I really dislike it, actually. Yeah. So We're glad you enjoyed it, though. Yeah. So, and uh, thanks for the comment. Yeah, and Ian uh, continued on Facebook and said, oh, and as a straight guy, even... I can see how it's possible to have a man crush on Kurt Russell in this. Even now, I give my left nut to pull off that look. <laughs> so say we all. I think that lots of straight guys can admit to having a man crush on Kurt Russell. If there's any like every man actor that straight guys can be like, yeah, I'd do him. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nikki over on Instagram left us a comment and said, another great deep dive gents inspired us to watch it with our oldest child. And while he was resistant, he admitted it was very good. A classic. Right. I don't know why we have to keep, you know, pulling teeth for people to fucking watch this movie. But once they do, they are inducted. It's like joining a cult. It is. And also, Nikki, I am always applauding you for showing your oldest and maybe some of the others horror movies. Keep up the good parenting work. (laughs) Marina over on Instagram said, another awesome episode. I love this movie. I've also been listening to your uh, past episodes to cheer me up when I'm having a bad day. Aliens, Carrie, The Exorcist, and Halloween are my favorite episodes. Sweet dreams. Oh, sweet dreams, Marina. Hmm. And we're glad we could cheer you up a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, Carrie. <laughs> I think our episode of Carrie was one of the funniest. Maybe I don't. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, I've listened to Carrie a couple times, and it just cracks my shit up. So, yeah, I haven't listened to those others in quite a while. Yeah, The Exorcist, not a funny episode, <laughs> but no? <laughs> no, it was pretty serious. I think. Okay, so was Aliens. It was really in- info heavy. I think. Yeah, but it had to be. Yeah. Okay. Miss Morg over on Instagram said, "Yes, I have truly been waiting for y'all to do this one for." years we have too we have as well and we hope we hope it lived up to your expectations mm. ms morg g william nyc over on patreon said great episode i'm curious on the rumor of the blumhouse remake reboot sequel that were swirling around a few years ago no yeah i think we mentioned this near the end of the episode maybe that there was one and then it kind of died or collapsed yeah it was supposed to be based on like the like the, the it was supposed to be tome. closest to the yeah, yeah to the new released more complete novel that they had found at Harvard. And uh, I think it kind of died on the vine or something, but you know it's going to happen eventually. Eventually it'll be remade again. The thing is out there and it is impersonating movies. That's right. (laughs) And eventually itself. (laughs) (laughs) Things come full circle. And I think after 2011, we've all learned a valuable lesson and just avoid it. I think it's striking next with the the Exorcist remake. Oh my God. I don't want to think about it anymore. It's coming out this year. Blumhouse, what's wrong with you? Stop it. You used to make such original good movies. From our deep dive into The Thing from Another World, 
Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, an entire movie of people being cold and drinking coffee? Where do I sign up? <laughs> you have to go back to a time when coffee was just... Well, coffee's abundant 24 hours a day now. What the fuck am I talking about? You have to go back to a time when it was acceptable for half a script to be asking people if they wanted coffee. <laughs> We're waking people up to ask if they want coffee. Hey, wake up. Thirsty? Want coffee? How far are we from landing? Four hours. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you buddy <laughs> that's just enough time for 17 cups of coffee <laughs> glazed donut on patreon said i watched this movie not expecting much and i was correct in my initial feelings labeling it a twilight zone type episode is spot on although the twilight zone was way more interesting Oof. i kept waiting for something to happen and ended with well i guess that's all <laughs> this seems to be on the list of 50s movies that were needed to be remade in the 80s and perhaps only in the 80s in order to be great and memorable if that makes sense although i think it could be my age and the era of movies i experienced i also think there are horror and science fiction movies around the 50s that still hold up pretty well <laughs> that still hold creepiness and suspense and this film just seems to be lacking on another note i was really impressed with the electric blanket that could melt a whole man-shaped ice block in a couple of hours without shorting out i guess they really don't make appliances like they used to my god i know i commented on patreon and i was just like i need this blanket i will never be cold again i was like or i'll cook myself like some sort of fucking lean cuisine <laughs> really <laughs> that's a good comment yeah i mean i also feel like the twilight i'll lift up that blanket sense. and you'll look like that the thing from the beginning of 1982's thing with the, the camera slowly panning over this mush <laughs> like that charred corpse on the slab yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but i'll be warm damn it your dogs are in there too like... <laughs> <laughs> they were coming to amalgam with me <laughs> okay kill me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I agree the Twilight episode episodes are far more interesting than this movie. From our Shooting the Flames episode from January last month, uh, George on Instagram said, very fun episode. We thought so too. <laughs> and Matthew McHenry over on Patreon said, great January lineup. Can't wait to listen. Happy New Year, you gold-plated whores. <laughs> Everyone loves a fucking Black Christmas reference. That's what I responded with. <laughs> uh, from our deep dive into Batman Returns, Nico... Over on Facebook said, hello there. I adore listening to your podcast and just finished this episode. It was awesome hearing you guys gush over Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. Always one of my favorites, too. It also made me realize that you guys have not done Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Michelle is amazing in it, and it's quite the movie. I would love hearing you guys deep dive it. Thank you for being so awesome. I already left you a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a mother-shaped hole in my movie-watching experience. Uh, but, you know, I've heard people talk about it and I've heard Jennifer Lawrence talk about it. Like she would never take a role like that again. Mm-hmm. That is fairly traumatic. And, I'd like to watch it again. You know, I, I'm i kind of like not in a place where I want to watch another version of Requiem for a Dream. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just yet. Uh, it's not quite that bad. Okay. So it's watchable. From our deep dive in Nightmare Before Christmas. Nikki over on Patreon said, every year I watch this with my oldest son. We always have a conversation about if this is Halloween or a Christmas movie. We always point out the artistry of the stop motion and trim the tree between songs, which are the best parts. Finally, as an adult, this isn't a scary movie, but take it from one who has unfortunately shown this to kids too young. It is scary to kids. And then I followed up by asking her what they actually land on between like, is it a Halloween or a Christmas movie? And she said, usually they land on a Christmas movie because it has a message of true meaning of the holiday, but we watch it during both holiday seasons. Again, true parentage. For real. Like, I'm always so fucking impressed. Yeah. Like, really. 
And I would also call it a Christmas movie. I think we talked about it. And not only is she like showing these movies, but she's having a conversation with them about it afterwards. I really, really love that. I dig it. Like she is raising like horror fans and I just applaud that shit like no other. Mm -hmm. And you're right. The songs are the best part of that movie. I think we talked about that in the episode too. So yeah. Yeah. From our shooting the flames in December, 2022, Nikki also said, congrats. And thank you for the shout out. Not sure if y'all watched the white Lotus. I'd consider it a mild thriller. But this made me think of our conversation on your 100th episode, which I was so honored to be on. Black people having none of this. <laughs> I have not started watching The White Lotus yet. My mom has, and she won't shut up about it. Yeah, I need to see it. Uh, there's so many good, you know, casts that we love in it. Yeah, Jerry Coolidge Aubrey Plaza, and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. And then uh, I've watched on TikTok, like, the people watching White Lotus for the first time versus, like, the sixth, by the sixth episode. And they're, and it's showing them watch the intro, mm-hmm. which is, like, this music. <laughs> and by the first, they're, like, like looking at each other, like, it's like, it's crazy or stupid. And then by the sixth episode, they're, like, <laughs> rocking out to it, <laughs> like, dancing on the couch with each other. And I'm like, okay, I need to watch this. I have to, because I feel like every other person I know besides you has watched this show already. And I feel like we're missing out on some sort of like pop cultural touchstone right I'm now. getting huge FOMO from a lot of the shows that aren't necessarily like something that we would put on our list. Yeah. The last like, you know, fourth of the year, I'm busy just trying to get everything under, you know, watched for horror. And so I need to get up on like Andor and I need to watch The Last of Us now. Oh, yeah. I've heard I've episode three that. is supposed to be like transcendent for the gays. That's what I've heard. And I need to see Andor. Did I already say that? Yeah. I guess that's high on last the list. Last of Us. Uh, there's so many Chucky, <laughs> although that's horror. Uh, yeah, it's hard. You're Lotus. right. It's hard to like fit these things in because at the end of the year, like Chris said, we're always like doing this like mad dash of horror. And then at the start of the year, I'm always like doing all my Oscar prep. So I got to find time for the White Lotus. Though. Yeah. And I do see Willow. <laughs> you haven't watched Willow yet? No. Oh my God. Anyway, from our deep dive into Alien Covenant, Ooh. James Allman. From Patreon said, glad you went back on this movie again. It's fantastic, in my opinion. I agree. I like it much better now. Yeah. From our episode on top 10 horror comedies, the blast from the past, Ian over on Patreon said, hello, boys. As I said, I'm not listening in any particular order, so please excuse my lateness to this party. I'm so glad that some of my all-time favorites were in both of your lists. Young Frankenstein is one of my all-time favorite films, hands down. Also, An American Werewolf in London, Ghostbusters, and of course... Let There Be Lips. There are two that came to my mind totally British, but still funny. These are The House in Nightmare Park, starring the immensely camp and funny Frankie Howard. It's based on a kind of Agatha Christie type story, but dark and funny. Also classic Ealing comedy from the Carry On team, cleverly named Carry On Screaming. I'm sure these are a million miles off your radar, but still worth looking into, in my opinion. Great work again, guys. Thanks again, Ian. And I still haven't shown you Young Frankenstein. I have yet to see this movie. We did that episode in our first season, right? I maybe. I am I'm way behind. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have to fix that and maybe watch some of these others. Yeah, I like British comedies. Yeah. We've got some questions and comments. Okay. So Bennett sent us an email and said, Hey tired bitches. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like me and you're catching up on potential Oscar nominated films, I recommend checking out Damien Chazelle's outrageous excessive Hollywood epic Babylon. Though I wouldn't call it one of the best films of the year, it's highly competitive for the title of most memorable film of the year. I would describe it as Fellini-esque in reference to the famous Italian filmmaker Federico Fellini in its flamboyant portrayals of an unending orgiastic debauchery. 
though it occasionally showcases the director's passion for jazz and an artist's relentless pursuit of perfection, most audiences will more likely remember excessive portrayals of bodily fluids, namely golden showers, projectile vomit, and yes, elephant shit. Oh my God. Though it get, got lots of early Oscar buzz and, and best picture buzz, once people actually saw it, they may have changed their minds. It's a polarizing film, to say the least, especially with a mindfuck of an ending that will have you screaming things like, what the fuck? And this is a Paramount picture? Regardless, I recommend it primarily for one truly nightmare sequence in the last hour that rivals the best of many horror films. I won't give much away, save that it features Tobey Maguire in a very unconventional role for himself, and one that will likely traumatize his legions of Spider-Man fans. You have been warned. P.S. Diego Calva, the young Mexican actor and newcomer who plays the lead character, Manny Torres, is real cute. I just saw like Brad Pitt and what, what's her face? I didn't. Margot Robbie. Yeah. I figured that those were the, the way this, I've heard that the way this was marketed is so not the movie that people just did not go and see it. Yeah. I don't think it did really well at the box office and a lot of its early Oscar buzz, as Bennett said, came to fruition and it got some nominations, I think mostly for like sound and score. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to a little bit of the score and it is very unique. So, I mean, and I wouldn't expect anything less from a Damien Chazelle movie, right? Um, well, his longtime <laughs> partner that did, of course, La La Land and everything else did the, did the right. score. His roommate from Harvard or wherever they were. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be watching this one before the Oscars, obviously. Like, I, I have to cross things off my Oscar list. Um, I'm not really excited to see it, although I have to say, Bennett, now I am much more excited. So thank you for, real. for that. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely want to see this after that email. I probably wouldn't have otherwise. It was way low on my list. I was like, ugh. Like, after the trailers and things like that, I was like, no. I had no interest it. in this. Like, another Zero. fucking movie, like, you know, showing Hollywood or whatever. I'm just like, no, stop it. Mm-hmm. Damien Chazelle makes me interested a little bit more. Um, you know, but after hearing Tobey Maguire and horror-esqueness, I need to see it. Yeah, I, I hear it's very, very unconventional for him. Like, borderline career killing oh wow yeah like way not something he would normally do so yeah that's like the one buzzworthy thing that i won't see the movie for for sure we got a dm from ian on facebook and he said hi i just wanted to write you to a thank you message i have been in a bit of a low spot lately for no reason other than meds i have a great life and a great girlfriend and two beautiful children but as i said life has a way sometimes to make you feel like shit for no reason I work nights, four 12-hour shifts, and listening to you has helped me so much. You're both hilarious with your commentary, but also really insightful, more so than most other horror podcasts out there. I have been smashing the granny, so to speak, every night and cramming in as many episodes as possible without listening in any particular order. I'm currently listening to the Alien franchise ones, and as I said, the hours are passing by really quickly, so thank you for helping me through this time and bringing a long list smile to my face. Keep up the brilliant work and stay safe. Many thanks, Ian. Weymouth, UK. Well, we've been smashing the granny. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to catch up on all the horror movies. Wait, what was the other one he said? Tramp on chips? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, but yeah, thank you. We really, really appreciate comments like this. And it, it's helpful to, to know that we actually bring some bright spots and some contemplative aspects to people's listening experiences. We like to find a good balance between like lightheartedness and being informative and insightful and bringing our own opinions to things, right? And at the same time, inviting others to give their opinions as well, right? It's an open conversation. So we really appreciate comments like that. So yeah, you. and by try... 
I mean complete accident. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Senior Sombra on uh, Patreon said, so this is happening at my hometown theater. Also, thank you so much for all the hard work you guys do to provide us with all this great content, sending positive vibes to you and the rest of the community. And so what she sent us was a, uh, like a poster for an evening with Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel on March 25th. So, so senior Sombra is going to go. I want to go. And they're going to report back. That's the plan. My gosh. You know how much I would kill to like hear that conversation. Yeah. So thank you for sending us that because we are very excited for you and you must tell us everything so we can live vicariously through you. Please try to record it with your cell phone secretly, like put it in your pocket or something because the thing with Mike Flanagan and his wife, Kate Siegel, they are both huge horror fans and huge Stephen King fans. And I know that anytime that they're together and talking about it has got to be so good and gushy about like horror and King. And I'm just so excited for you. Oh, and can you please... If you get the chance to ask questions, of course, if you ask your own, that's fine too. But yeah. could you ask them what the status is of Season of Passage? Please. We need to know. Although I think it was just announced that he's going to do Dark Tower. A new he Dark is Tower Dark Tower for yeah. Amazon Prime. But I'm more interested in Season of Passage because I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. I really would like to see what Mike Flanagan does with uh, Dark Tower because we have not been given any sort of like good adaption of that yet. We have five new patrons. Oh my God. I think that's some kind of record. It is. It's got to be, right? I think yes. we've had two, maybe three before. Yes. In one month. Never five. Five is insane. Starting with Jillian Murtaugh. Jillian left us a voicemail that we had to sort of like uh, convince her to let us play on a Shooting the Flames. Yeah. And it was a really, really good, insightful voicemail. Yeah. So we are super glad to have you on the Patreon family. Yes. Welcome. We also have Quell Parish and Ian Turner, which I'm guessing is how you say your name because yep. we've said it about 15 times already this episode. So I hope we haven't butchered it too, too much. But thank you for all the comments and thank you for joining the family. And McKenna Hirschman. And uh, McKenna left us a little message with her joining Patreon. And they said, just discovered you guys. I spent a while trying to find a perfect horror only film podcast and I settled with yours. I don't know what a Patreon was, but now I do. And here I am. Just listened to your episode on top horror comedies, and I was wondering if you had ever seen Dead and Breakfast and Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. These are two of my favorites. Thanks for all the content. I haven't seen either of those. I have seen Behind the Mask. Okay. And it's very, very good. Uh, I think that it's certainly worthy of a Patreon episode, for sure. If not deep dive worthy, it's okay. kind of meta. Okay. Right? So it's really good. Dead and Breakfast, I hear, is hilarious okay so well i'll add those to my list yes we also got james almond and he also sent us a message and said had to subscribe because i've been through everything on apple Podcasts, and i just need more of these two handsome men oh thank you for calling us handsome i don't know where you've seen pictures of us but yeah where are you outside james (laughs) sometimes i think i hear him is the patreon subscription coming from inside the house (laughs) (laughs) no i'm sure we've posted pictures of ourselves on like instagram and facebook so mm. if if one wants to peruse, they can see our faces from time to time. I have a face for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's James's thing and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> As always, we need to shout our patrons at the Film Flavor tier or higher, and they are Kimberly, Ashley, Ben, Glace Donut, Lisa, Penelope, and Wallstrich. But especially glazed donut. Glazed donut, because I love that fucking name. <laughs> Horror news. 
So, as we know, the Academy Awards have released their nominations for the 2022 films. And, of course, there's nary a horror film to be seen. Yeah, and of all the people to to speak out, I didn't expect Mia Goth to. Because she's one of the ones I would have expected to be at least nominated. Yeah, and I feel that's why she may have said something. I mean, I feel like her comments that she made sort of like trashing the Academy about their views on horror. Um, like they, I would have expected to, what I'm saying is I would have expected it to come from like Ty West, like on her behalf or something. Oh, you know instead I mean? of her saying it? Yeah. I mean, she had a lot of good roles this year, right? Yeah. And I feel like her role in Pearl, and she got nominated for like an Independent Spirit Award for that role, um, which is good. But um, I feel like that role should have been on at least some sort of shortlists or pundits, like ideas of what best actress could be. And she's right, though. I feel like the Academy oftentimes just discounts this entire genre when we have people like Tony Collette, you know, having a performance in Hereditary that gets completely overlooked by the Academy. And this happens year after year. And so what she said essentially in this interview is that a change has to happen. And she thinks that, you know, if the Academy wants to, you know, collect a wider audience or a younger audience, they really need to start including some of these genre films and maybe not just in like the acting performances, but as a whole, right? And we get things from time to time, like we had Get Out and Shape of Water in the exact same year, right? So there, there are banner years for horror at the Academy, but those are far and few in between. So I'm with you, Mia. Yeah. Next up, Jasmine Savoy Brown and Tatiana Maslany are starring in Joss Rubin's <laughs> next horror movie called Green Bank. Uh, I have been a fan of all of his movies so far, or both his horror-esque kind of movies. I love Josh Rubin. Yes, he's cute too. Uh, but this one is kind of like a science fiction-y horror movie where these people, these two women, stumble into a town where there's no Wi-Fi, there's no phones, there's no anything, right? And, like, wackiness ensues. Okay. So. Well, I like his work I do, too. And uh, Tatiana Maslany was in the latest Scream movie, right? And she played one of the, like, one of the twins. Okay. Yeah, and I thought she was really good in that. So, Josh Rubin... Uh, First was in 2020, right, with his first breakout, I think, was just that small Cabin in the Woods movie where they're telling stories. Yes. Scare me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then he did... Werewolves Within. Werewolves Within, Mm -hmm. right? And so both of those were excellent. And this year, or last year in 2022, he was in a movie that he didn't write called um, A Wounded Fawn. Okay. Where he played kind of like this psychopath... He was still funny and cute in it. The movie itself was just kind of ho-hum. Okay. Yeah. But I'll watch anything that he's in or he makes. Yeah. I'm a fan. So last on the list of news items, and I think we kind of like brought this to fruition because we made a small comment in our Up in the Flames episode where we said that maybe this is the year that we're going to get Five Nights at Freddy's, right? Mm, Yeah. So apparently Five Nights at Freddy's has begun filming – As Jason Blum has posted a picture of the clapper on the first scene on the first day of filming, it's happening. Okay. I know that Jim Henson's workshop has been like madly creating all the puppets and shit for this. Animatronics? Yes. I am ready. I'm ready for this movie. And since doing five nights of Fridays. It's amazing. I've been ready for this movie for years now. Jesus Christ, finally. It's all going to tap into our trauma from our collective 80s trauma from Chuck E. Cheese's. Chuck E. Cheese and like showbiz and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. I used to love those places, though. I wasn't scared, but I wasn't scared about a lot of things when I was a kid. The animatronics scared me when they weren't moving. 
like I would go up to them and then all of a sudden they'd like turn their head or something because <laughs> they try and make them like retain some sort of lifelike thing and then they blink or something. Oh yeah. They would like slightly move in between numbers. Yeah. yeah. I was all about that shit. Loved it. Loved that <laughs> shit as a kid. Coming soon. We have a whole list of trailers to talk about. We do starting with, we have a ghost and this is going to be on Netflix in well this month the end of the month and uh, this has david harbour as a ghost and he's haunting a house it also has anthony mackie anthony mackie's in it jennifer coolidge Coolidge is in it and like a bit role looks like Mm -hmm. it looks a little kind of tongue-in-cheeky to me um what was this director's last movie freaky freaky you liked it more than i did yeah i loved freaky yeah you liked it less on your second watch yeah, I did. I mean, it was a really magical first watch for me. And I like this guy's work, you know? He's he's a good gay horror director. And I don't know, I like his movies because they're fun and they're funny, right? Yeah. And they retain some sense of horror. And I think this looks a little hilarious. Yeah. So I'm here for it. Well, speaking of hilarious, <laughs> the next one is Bo is Afraid. And this is coming from Ari Aster and A24. And it'll be in theaters in April. And this is starring Joaquin Phoenix. And it looks like a weird, like apocalyptic horror version of everywhere, everything everywhere all at once in a way. Yeah. Kind of. I don't know what this is. Yeah. It's all over the place. Like, I, I don't know what to think of it. So when the movie was first announced that he was doing this, it was supposed to be some sort of like autobiographical romantic comedy, off kilter romantic comedy. And I don't really get that. I think he was just like talking shit, you know, when he first announced his movie, but yeah. it looks crazy. Harry Oster, what is going on with you? I don't know. His last film is Midsummer, right? Yeah. So he did like Hereditary, Midsummer, and now this one. Yeah. It looks like he wasn't able to completely shake off the horror because half this trailer is horror. Yeah. I don't think he can though. He's a horror director, you yeah. know? And um, I, re- I liked Hereditary. I really liked Midsummer. So, I mean, I'm, I will watch this movie. I have a love-hate relationship with Joaquin, though. Yeah. So, we'll see. It looks weird. It does. Very weird. So, we talked about a teaser trailer for Evil Dead Rise, but we were treated to a full-length Red Band trailer for this one. Yeah, and I still don't know quite what to think of it. Like, it, it's, some of it seems very Sam Raimi Evil yeah. Dead, and some of it seems very different and new and, and kind of... Like, I think the first time I watched this trailer, I was like, oh, I grasped my pearls a little bit. But like uh-huh. the, the, any, every time since, I'm just like, this is not the heights of horror that I want to see. So I'm hoping they're keeping a lot of it to the chest, you know, close to the chest. And stuff. I would imagine so, knowing Sam Raimi. And it seems kind of like an amalgam of... Well, he's like, not directing it. He's, no, he's not. He's producing it. Yeah. Um, it seems like an amalgam of like early Evil Dead and the remake sort of like mashed together. You know what I mean? From a filmmaking standpoint, I guess. I wish he would just make it himself at this point. I don't understand. He's still directing movies. Like, come on. He's a Doctor Strange. Maybe he just didn't have time for this one. Although, it must be kind of good. Because originally it was slated to be an HBO Max release and not playing in theaters. But after test audiences seen it and then like like filmmakers and production companies and whatnot, they decided to go full theatrical. So, I mean, I don't know that they would make that choice um, without it being somewhat good or what they think would make a lot of money. And we're going to talk about another movie that's similar to that toward the end of this. Yeah. So next up is Renfield, which is in theaters in April. And of course, this is Nicolas Cage's Dracula. Yeah. And he's playing Renfield's Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Yeah. It looks goofy. It does. And I'm, I don't know. It seems very popcorn. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a horror movie made for horror, horror movie fans. No. It seems like it's a horror comedy made for people who think they like horror. Yeah. I still haven't seen that vampire or that zombie movie that Nicholas Holt was in. 
I Zombie. I Heart, or I Heart Zombie or something, something like, that. like that. Whatever it was. I haven't seen it either. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like Nicholas Holt, though. He was good in the menu. He Was he? He was good. I just I loved, I loved to hate him. In the he menu. was in the menu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. This may be a hard pass as a theatrical watch. I may watch it later on. I mean, I'm down for a horror comedy, but I don't know. I mean, do people even reference Dracula anymore in that way? I don't know. I, I keep waiting for Karen Kusama to do her version of Dracula, you know, and see if that's any good because like, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of exhausted by Nicolas Cage right now. He's in all these like wacky fucking like horror, horror esque movies. This lately. is very mainstream for him. Yes. Lately, though. Although it seems like a very Nicolas Cage kind of role. Yeah. But I'm still thrown off. I mean, like I don't, out of every character and Dracula, I feel like Renfield is like the least recognizable. So what an odd premise, but know. we'll see. Yeah, and they gave him superpowers. Yeah, when he eats a bug. Yeah, it's exhausting. Anyway. So last up, we have a movie that we've been talking about. We've at least mentioned in news articles on previous Shooting the Flames, and that is The Boogeyman, which is an adaption of my favorite Stephen King short story. Really? Your yes. absolute favorite? My absolute favorite. It scares the fuck out of me. Every time that I read it or listen to the audiobook version, it is truly fucking horrifying. And um, I have been waiting. The trailer is good, but it also seems kind of weirdly run of the mill. Yeah. And that's what scared me. So here's the thing. Just like Evil Dead Rise, the Boogeyman was slated to be a Hulu release, I think, or some sort of streaming service only. Okay. And then they showed it to test audiences and test audiences loved it. So instead of putting on streaming, they're going to release it in theaters in June. Okay. So, I mean, that makes me at least a little happy. But then when they finally released a trailer, I watched it like the day it came out and I was just like, oh, this doesn't really seem like the short story, which can be okay. Seems very, very tropey how it was filmed. There's nothing new here from what I've seen. I like Chris Medina. Not that that's necessary. I mean, we just talked about one thing on both both of our top tens, Mm -hmm. the black phone. Yes. Which does nothing new, but it's so excellently made that, you know. We forgave it. And this could happen with the Boogeyman as well. You know, I'll have to wait. I'm definitely going to watch it just because I'm curious as to how it compares to the short story. The short story has a lot of child death in it, and they were never going to put that on screen, you know. But I am curious to see because the the short story is very descriptive about what the Boogeyman looks like, what it sounds like, what it does. Why isn't Frank Darabont making more horror movies? I mean, really, (laughs) he would kill all the children. And he would have a really gnarly looking boogeyman. Right. And I think this is rated PG-13. That kind of scares me. <sighs> we'll see. Yeah. Definitely children aren't going to die in this. Nope. And I feel, and the thing is the trailer makes the boogeyman seem like it's invisible unless it's like in the dark. It's like, stop making things. If you think you know better than the original fucking author, just make your own fucking movie. For real. I mean, like I want to see what the boogeyman looks like and they better not do this bullshit where we only get like a glimpse of it at the end and some shit. Like I want a gnarly looking fucking boogeyman because this is supposed to be like gross and stinky and rotting with like claws and shit. I want that. We'll see. We shall see what happens in June. Just in time for gay pride. I'm not going to (laughs) make it. You have to make a choice. Well, guys, I think that about wraps up this month's Shooting the Flames episode. But stay tuned because we are going to be deep diving into two of our favorites for the month of love. And that is Heather's and The Craft. 
Not sure which one's first, but... Heather's know. is first. Oh my god. And then the craft. Order of release, I guess. God, what's your damage? <laughs> what's your damage, Chris? Fuck well, me gently with a chainsaw. My damage is that I haven't released the pull yet. Yes, we need to do that. With presently. So, a whole month of frenemies, and then a poll about high school horror movies. So we already talked about reviews, but if you want to join the Patreon family, head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers and join the family, vote in that poll, and help us pick the high school horror movie we're going to talk about. And if you have anything else to add to the conversation, we hope you do, find us on social media, at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or... Call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Bo is afraid. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. <laughs> I have to save those quotes for those episodes. I know. Long Too late. <laughs> Dear diary, I want to kill and you have to believe it's not for selfish reasons. <laughs> Love it. Well, Chris... I know it's an early recording for us, but I'd kind of like a nap so I can have some sweet dreams. God, I hope by Heather's my voice is cleared up a little bit. I'm sure it will be. So that sounds so raspy. Drink more tea. Coat my throat. Coat your throat. (laughs) With that glazed donut. (laughs) 